welcome to the C3 Camden podcast. For more information about our church, please visit www.c3camden.church. We are so thrilled that you're listening today, and we hope you enjoy the message. Thanks, Mick. Um, yeah, I am in that state because when we're praying beforehand and then felt as though that I maybe need to emphasize something a little bit different at the end. Um, Spirit sort of prompted me. I don't actually know 100% what that'll look like, so I am listening. Uh, just we don't know where that'll end up. But anyway, um, that's all right. I think if you've seen me on stage before, um, I, don't, I, haven't, I don't know if I've preached live very often. I think because mainly I started preaching and then COVID hit um, here. So uh, I've, you've probably seen me on video. Preaching on video is so easy because you can edit out all the bad bits. Uh, if you stuff up a section, you just try and find something that where you want to go back to, you, you sort of sit there in that same pose and then you keep going. And then, or you can do little transition slides where you chuck a, maybe a Bible verse up on the screen and you know one will know. And, um, <laughs> tricks of the trade. So it's, just, uh, it's not all seamless. You can do, you know, there are the occasional one-take wonders and things like that. Um, anyway, I'm rambling. I'll get going. Um, so again, my name's James. Uh, I'm privileged to get the opportunity to speak today. Uh, I think that um, it's very easy when you're sitting out there, especially if you're not uh, involved regularly or if you, even if you don't necessarily stand up on stage and talk, um, just the privilege you have of you're standing in front of people uh, and they are here um, and they have to at least hear your voice for a certain period of time. How much they're listening, who knows, but they have to be here. And you've got pretty much a captive audience of people that are in this room and will hear something that you say during that time. Uh, and that's a privilege because uh, not everyone gets that opportunity to do that. And so I don't take that very lightly. So I want to thank my pastors, uh, our pastors here, um, that they, they, they put the trust in me, one, to come up here and do this. Um, but then... Also, just for giving me the opportunity to, to do this. Um, it's, uh, it's an honour to be able to do it. And yeah, I very much look forward to it every single time. Uh, I always then lament that maybe I haven't given myself enough prep time. But then I reassure myself, no, you have. You're just worrying about nothing for no reason. That's OK. Let's go. So Acts. We've been going through uh, the book of Acts. If you've only just joined us now, uh, you've missed a, a chunk of the book. Uh, you can go back and have a look at any of those um, series, either on YouTube or through our podcast. But we're up to now chapter 15. Uh, and so we look at this idea of um, something comes up, they take it to, counsel, to a council, the first council that's uh, mentioned in the Bible, uh, and then they get the response back. So it's this first thing of, oh, of questioning Someone brings up a point, someone goes, no, that's not what we're meant to be doing. Question it, gets taken up to the, you know, to the pastors or to the leaders, and they come back and they explain, okay, this is what it is and why. Um, so I'm going to dive into that in, in detail today, well, into some sort of detail, but the, the main verse uh, that stood out from the beginning uh, was actually already highlighted in uh, my Bible, both physical copy and also on my phone. So I obviously knew that that's probably was going to be the focus of, um, of today is verse 19, which says, uh, so Acts chapter 15, verse 19. And so my judgment 
is that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. So just let that sit there because that is pretty much the lens, the basis of which a lot of my thought processes come as I've read through and then and prepared and written and sort of just sat and waited for God to sort of reveal through this passage and, you know, ideas and things like that. So anyone who gets up and does a sermon or talks always likes to share some sort of a story. Normally you share something about yourself if you can because, um, you know, make it a bit more personal um, you know, try and make it maybe a bit funny, self-deprecating, if that's your style, that sort of thing. Unfortunately, I couldn't think of anything for this, so I wasn't sure how I was going to actually start, because I, I think that it's good to see, to have an example outside of just the Bible, not because the Bible hasn't got the authority and that isn't enough, but that it can help make connections for you that maybe even I don't think of and share during the sermon. So, uh, and funnily enough, this week, um, I listened to a, uh, a podcast and it popped up because the name was actually familiar. Uh, the name was Tom Tilly. Uh, so he was a presenter on Triple J. He was a current affair, he's a journalist, he was a current affairs predominantly for Hack. And he did a podcast with ABC Conversations around a book he just wrote. And this is what caught my eye. It's called Speaking in Tongues. I went, oh, that's interesting. Um, I didn't know that Tom Tilly, either, or I thought maybe because it's, you know, coming from that Triple J background, it could be just, you know, taking a, you know, or I want to say taking the piss, so I'm going to just say it. <laughs> taking the piss of Christians, because that's sometimes what happens on Triple J, like they, you know, because it's seen as the establishment or conservative or whatever, so they'll often take that opportunity to do that. Um, but it wasn't, it was genuine, it's about, he grew up uh, in the revival church, uh, and his dad was a pastor in that. And so it was just interesting to sort of, like, I, so I went, okay, I'm going to have to listen to the podcast because I haven't got enough time to read a book in a week. Um, so I'm going to listen to the podcast and just hear some of the story of his life uh, that is sort of portrayed in the book. Yeah, so as I said, he was upbringing as a, as a pastor's kid. Uh, he was the eldest. Uh, he had um, at least one brother. He said he had a few siblings off the top of my head. I can't remember if he actually named how many. Uh, but yeah, so he grew up, uh, originally his family, his dad was from Adelaide, uh, he was uh, out at Mudgee uh, when he, like they, that's where they planted the uh, revival church out at Mudgee there. And he was part of that community, that church community, and he loved it. So he loved the fellowship, he loved the community, he said that's what he looks fondly, most fondly back upon that whole time, is that, the, you know, he always had things planned, there was camps and events and things like that and you got to interact and see people all around the state you go to interstate camps and you know you know australia-wide camps you get to go around and do all these things and he loved the community he loved all of that all of that even used the word fellowship he started using christian language because that's how he saw it that's how he grew up um but it wouldn't be a interesting story unless there was a but in there um for him, he had this great experience uh, and, but until he got to about the age of 10 where things started to change a little bit and it became a gradual process moving forward. He, uh, in the revival church at the time, in the denomination they were a part of there, that uh, being a Pentecostal church, there was a large emphasis on speaking in tongues and that's where the title of the book came from. 
So if you were a child growing up in the church, before you could be baptised with water, you first had to speak in tongues. Uh, you could not progress because it was seen as your, that you've made that connection with, with Jesus, that you are, you know, the Holy Spirit has entered you, you are now speaking in tongues, you are on your path now to becoming a, you know, a true Christian and part of that community. Um, so he felt that he spoke in tongues, uh, or what, what he, he felt as though it was not a, just a sudden thing, it was a, a build-up over a short period of time, and, and it was around the age of 10. Funnily enough, his younger brother, who was about a year or so younger, spoke in tongues before him, uh, and then he was just sort of like, it was worrying about, oh, am I ever going to speak in tongues? Am I ever, like, is this what's going to go on? He did, he sh- spoke to his father, his father said, yeah, no, like, you're on the journey. He was, he, but he had these worries and doubts like, oh, it doesn't sound like yours and mum's. It doesn't sound as, like, strong and it doesn't sound as, you know, robust. Like, mine's just very small, like a couple of words or a word. Um, and then it's like, no, no, like, you, you started, you're on that journey. But he still sort of had those doubts. And, but he's like, you know, like, I'm, I'm good to go. He got baptised. He got to go his first prayer meeting as this being baptised, speaking in tongues, he was looking forward to because one-hour prayer meetings, when you don't do that sort of thing, and if you're under the age of 10, maybe even some people might say under the age of, you know, 15, you might not find it very exciting if, because if you're just there and people are speaking in tongues and praying out loud, that it might have been just a bit weird to be there as a kid because you couldn't necessarily join in in parts of it and, you know, maybe it might be boring. But he was looking, so looking forward to it because it would be this connection with God. He'd be able to have this connection with God that he hadn't been able to have before by being able to go and speak in tongues and being a part of the community there, being baptised and really expecting God to do some amazing things. But what happened was is that his younger brother, whose speaking in tongues was one word over and over again, uh, and he, was, he did it really loudly. As any nine-year-old is trying to you know, go through that, they probably are going to be saying it really loudly because they're proud of you know, this new thing that they've got speaking very, very loudly, and he's sitting there in his head like, I can't even enjoy this, I can't, my bro- it just sounds like he's faking it, and then bang, this thought just stuck in his head, he's like, yeah, just like, it, I think he's faking it, like, it just, he's just saying the one word over and over again, you know, like, what if I'm faking it, what if I'm faking, what if, what if everyone here is faking it, and there was just this seed of doubt, and as he looks back, like it was said, from, from the age of 10 to 21, th- those doubts were there. They'd come back and forward, depending on, you know, just the season. You know, sometimes he's full in, all in, and then those doubts are so far in the back of your mind that he just, it never really arose up. And there'd be times where, you know, maybe facing something a little bit difficult or something comes up and, you know, those doubts start flooding forward again. And just really felt as though that he never had that connection with, like he doubted that connection that he had with God. And his faith started to crumble and, he left the church, um, you know, he made some, like, he didn't even make necessarily bad decisions, but there were just really strict rules that they had, uh, and it just didn't work. Uh, they just, well, he got kicked out twice for two different things. One, he went with his brother while he was, he was at uni. His brother came to visit. Uh, they went to Mardi Gras as, you know, first time being from country kids, and, you know, I, I know a lot of friends who just, you know, go and check it out for the spectacle. You just, it's his friend... Well, the church found out and said, yeah, no, we don't accept that, and kicked him out. 
Uh, and then eventually, you know, worked with and the, some leaders came back and said, oh, you know, come, we'll, come back and bring you back in and we can work forward. And then something else happened and then he got kicked out again. It was just like, and he just felt suffocated by these really strict rules that they were trying to place, uh, place on him and that it just didn't feel genuine. He was, again, like these doubts were still there and it's just like, no, done. Um, and there's so much more to his story, but that's just the snippet. And I wanted to share that because you might resonate with parts of that. Um, bring, especially, you know, being a part of the Pentecostal church, elements of what they shared were probably elements of what you might have come through being a part of um, Pentecostal church. And I just want to move the, one of the main themes, so if we go back to that Acts 19, is about not making it difficult. And I think that's the lovely thing we have here at, at C3 Camden. We don't want to make it difficult. Uh, we, don't, we want people to come in. We want people to engage with us without any, you know, without any anything that you have to do to be able to come in here. There's no prerequisite. That's the word I was thinking of, prerequisite. A big word, and I just stuffed it up when I said it the second time. Prerequisite. So and entry points are something that is, is used when talking about when you're trying to get people engaged with, whether it's a church program or any program, you want to have a large entry point. There's no point having a small one because all a small entry point does is that means that if you have the same gatekeepers there and you have a really small entry point, you have to fit a certain mould. So pretty much everyone who comes along to that program will look the same, sound the same, talk the same, have the same thoughts, and then all it'll be is that it'll be a small sample size and you won't really have much opportunity to reach, uh, to connect with people outside of that because it's so small. But a large entry point, and this is what the church is all about, Large entry point. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your background, your 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 race, even what religion you grew up with. It doesn't matter your theological ideas. Your entry point to the church is open. Okay, we don't have to meet any prerequisite to come and connect with a church, whether it's through a service, a gathering, through um, the community arms of the church, anything like that. There's no prerequisite. There's nothing you can come and enter. So have that in your mind as we move forward because we're going to see some examples of what it looks like when you're trying to create a, a small pathway, like a small gate into, into the church and then a larger one. So Acts chapter 15, verse 1 to 21. So I'm going to summarize a little bit and then we'll read some actual scripture rather than my, um, my little summary bit. Um, I used to call the new new King James Version because I was speaking it. My name's James. But then I thought, probably shouldn't say King either because I'm not a king. So anyway, so um, now I'll just say it's my, my summary. So these legalists come in. They come in and they say, you must be circumcised to the Gentiles. So Paul uh, and Barnabas are here at the time uh, in Antioch. They come in and say, you must be circumcised. And there's all this back and forward. That's not what we've been told. You know, Paul and Barnabas saying, no, that's not, what it's, that's not what we're about. And so what they decided to do, the church there at Antioch said, okay, we're going to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem and go and speak with the leadership. And this is the council, the first council. So go and speak with the leadership and find out what's going on. Let's find out 
what they have to say. So they get there and they start sharing what's going on and then what comes? One of the Pharisees says, Gentiles need to be circumcised. Before they even really get into the question, it's not even said that Paul and Barnabas started talking about this thing and then they jumped back and said, no, it has to happen. They said that when they were just talking about the Gentiles. They jumped up and said, no, you have to be circumcised and follow the law of Moses. So what the leaders do, they, they listen to all that discussion that has happened. They go away. And then Peter stands up. And from verse 7, which will come up on the screen. Uh, At the meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood up and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. He He made no distinction between us and them for he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. So then Paul and Barnabas, they also share what's been going on with the Gentiles. And then James, who's sort of like the the leader of this council at this point in time, he's like the, you know, the senior pastor, maybe you could say at that time. So James gets up and says in verse 19, which we've read, And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write and tell them to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from sexual immorality, from eating meats of strangled animals, and for consuming blood. For these laws of Moses have been preached in Jewish synagogues in every city on earth, in every city, on every Sabbath, for many generations. So there, that's, that is setting a wide gate. And, that's, and don't get confused, this isn't saying, these are just, you, you believe these four things, you're sweet, you're, like you're a Christian, or you, you know, you're, you're a follower of Jesus. No, that's not what it is. This is, follow these four things, and you're, you're coming into the, 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 you can come into the community. You can be a part of this community of, um, of believers. Uh, it's, it's there to make it as wide as possible. They're not foundational beliefs. Um, they are for the benefit of the community, for both the Jews and the Gentiles. For the Gentiles, it gives them the freedom of not having to pass through all the ritual um, and having to understand the law um, to the nth degree before they even embraced properly by the community. But it does ask them to conform to these four points as these will all impact the Jewish community and you want to show love to them. Three of these around communal activities, around food, and then the fourth, sexual immorality, will impact the community as a whole. So they're all about creating a healthy community, these four um, foundation, uh, these four points here. And for the Jews... It is saying, yes, we are asking the Gentiles to conform conform to these communal laws. We are not letting them off and saying, you can just do whatever you want, you just come in. 
It's saying, well, we're, we're putting some stipulation that we want them to conform to our community to some point. We want them so that they can have a harmonious relationship together. But don't go and try and create stepping stones for them. Don't try and create roadblocks for them. Don't put these burdens on them and say they have to follow certain traditions, they have to follow certain laws. Uh, your, your law of choice isn't the law they have to follow. The, as long as they, these four things, then they can come in and be a part of the community. The idea of this decision by the leaders there, by this council, is to create community amongst, amongst both the Jews and the Gentiles so that they both have their distinctive traits so that that the reason why you set it wide is so that you have these distinctive traits that you can have a larger reach you can meet more people have entry points by not having to meet this really narrow standard but also to try and create it so it does become a harmonious community so in verse uh, so we jump across so verse 22 uh, through to 35 is this second section of this, this passage. Uh, and this is the letter that got sent back. So it'll, it all explains it, so I'll just read it through. Uh, so quickly in verse 22, they send back Paul and Barnabas, as well as two leaders from Jerusalem, Judas and Silas, with a letter directly from the leaders. Uh, and then what they do is they get back, they call a general meeting of all the believers there in Antioch, and then they share this. This letter is from the Apostle and Elders, your brothers in Jerusalem. It is written to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cil oh, I get this wrong every time. Cilicia, thank you. Greetings. We understand that some men from here have troubled you and upset you with their teaching, but we did not send them. So we decided, having come to complete agreement, complete agreement. And that's something that's very important. It wasn't just a majority decision, complete agreement to send you official representatives along with our beloved Paul, Barnabas and Paul who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are sending Judas and Silas to confirm that we have decided concerning your question for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on on you than these few requirements. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols, consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals and from sexual immorality. For if you do this, you will do well. Farewell. Pretty simple, straightforward letter. But it's like, and it's acknowledging what Peter said earlier. He said that why are we trying to place a burden on people that we can't even live up to? We haven't even, we've, our generations have struggled to live up to this. Why are we trying to place on these people? And they're saying, look, if you can do these four, you're doing well. So um, that's where they laid there. And so then Judas and Silas, they came, they both taught in Antioch um, because that was their gifting. They had the opportunity to speak and to, and to prophesy and share with the people there. Uh, and then were sent back with the blessings of the people there to, to Jerusalem. And both Paul and Barnabas stayed around for a while and they taught and preached there also. And that's the thing is we don't only need the council part. So the council part can be easy. Someone can go, you bring a thing, they make a decision, all good. If you only have that council thing, you get 
a whole bunch of decisions made. But then what happens to, to us, to us that are here, part of the community, they hear that we've sent a question, they're given a response saying, this is what you've got to do, and then leave it. And I think that those four markers, those are the two people, uh, the two people from Jerusalem, both uh, Judas and Silas, staying back and, and preaching and teaching and sharing. And then Barnabas and Paul also doing the same thing. So we had four people stick around with the people after the decision was made. They shared it and they sat around and they teached, they taught, they shared, they answered probably plenty of questions from people who thought that they should be having to do more as Gentiles from the Jewish side of the community there all, th all the way through to um, like some that might even had an issue that they had to do four things um, because they might not have had to do very much before. So doing four things now is something on top of what they had to do. For us here, decisions get made. Decisions get made by our leadership, by the board, by our pastors. And for us here, we fall under their leadership and we accept what, they, what, they, what the decisions they make. But if you're unsure of why they make a decision, ask the question. There's, no, there, there's no, a culture here of asking questions. There's not a culture of you cannot speak up. There's not a culture of you cannot ask why a decision was made a certain way. Look, the outcome might be that you don't necessarily agree. That is still okay. You can still be a part of the community here, but you can ask the question and get the answer. And if you've got that open heart, you will accept the answer and the reasoning behind that, even if you don't agree, it's okay. So some of you might have realised, um, if you're awake at the beginning of the service, like... You know, we get straight into it. At the beginning of the service, we do an acknowledgement of country or welcome to country, depending on who's up here. Now, that's something that was placed in the heart of our pastors here. Uh, it's something that was important to do. Okay, and I'm not going to go into the reasons why, because I probably don't have a full understanding why. I agree with it. But if you're unsure why we do it, ask the question. If you understand why, why is it so important that we now do it in every service and not maybe just on special occasions? Ask the question. Because you know what? We have pastors and leaders here that will be willing to sit with you, to answer your questions. It may take some people forever. It might, might take you weeks and weeks and weeks of, under, of coming back and asking more questions about why and going back and doing your research, coming back and asking more questions before you accept the decision one way or the other. For others, yeah, I totally understand and take it in straight away. But you've got to ask the questions, and our leaders here, our pastors in particular, are great at being willing to be there if you have questions. And in the second section is, a, is the great example of this, as I, as I shared. Um, the band can come back up now, because I'm going to just move into time of close. We've hit five o'clock, so I've got to make sure I don't get too distracted, because this is the part that could get fun. Um, as I said before, Spirit was sharing something. So there's a lot of things that I could be emphasizing. And I've, I've spoken a lot, hopefully not too fast. Hopefully I've spoken clearly enough for everyone here to really be able to, 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 that God has spoken to them in some way about what's been shared through this passage. But if you're going to take one verse, that verse 19 is the verse that you want to hold because we want to be a place which has this wide entry point that people can come no matter who they are and be a part of here. So I've got a couple of screenshots. So sorry if they're not great because 
um, you know, probably late preparation in terms of the photo because this is something that came a bit late. So a photo's going to pop up. So this is first up. This is on our homepage. If you haven't visited our new website, it's been a new website for a little while now, so maybe it's just our website. Um, but this is, on, if you just scroll down past, well, you'll have past the pool at the top, and then, and then you've got a few uh, little buttons, and you scroll down, and then pops up this here. And this says here what we are here at C3, and I think this, this is an example of who we are as being open to, to people. And I'll read it out for those, if it's a bit blurry, a bit small, or for those at home that might not be able to see it. Here at C3, we're deeply passionate about being a place where people from all backgrounds can safely explore their spirituality and discover the love of Jesus in an inclusive and non-judgmental environment. No matter who you are or what you've been through, there's a place for you at C3 Church. You are always welcome. And I think that is a perfect example of what I've spoken about here. And that's, our, that's what our church is. That's what, who we are as the church. We are, it doesn't matter. We've all come from different backgrounds. We've all come from different places. Uh, we've, not everyone's grown up in a Pentecostal church. Uh, we've all had different you know, backgrounds inside the Christian church, let alone outside of that, what our backgrounds are. And that's, there you go. Well, I didn't even know that, but apparently there you go. As Pastor Owen just said, that is inspired by this, um, by this passage here. So I think that, well, there you go. I found it for, for fun. There you go. So obviously the Spirit was leading me somewhere with that one. So this is our version of the four rules. This isn't the foundation of our faith. This is how, this is what we are as a community and what we stand for. And to be a part of our community, you agree to this. This is what, you've just got to accept people for who they are and love them. That's, that's a fairly decent summary, I think. So I'm going to also put up another part of our um, Another photo. So it'd be a bit small. You probably can't read it. It's okay. I'm not going to go through it all here today. But this is what we believe as a church. What we believe as a church. And I'll, it goes through the nature of God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Bible. And it keeps going through um, a bunch of points there. If you want to know what it is to then, once you're part of this community, because you're entering this community to try and search for Jesus, to try and uh, to try and understand what this church thinks about who Jesus is, what like even just a greater understanding of what spirituality is, uh, and then you're here so that you know that we're sharing a, a Jesus-flavored spirituality, as Jesus-heavy spirituality. We are Christians here, uh, and we are not ashamed of that. But if you, that's also on our website. Uh, you can go and find that there to understand what C3 as a church stands for uh, when it comes to what we believe. Um, as a church of Christians here. So I think the challenge for us today is to really hold that open heart. Not to place these stringent things to be a part of our community. Not to, to expect have these high, really narrow expectations of people because we want to be a church that is accepting of all people because we know that 
if you have people from different backgrounds, different skill sets, different ideas, different theology even in terms of the Christian church, there creates great conversation, creates great robust ideas in the community. It helps you understand why you believe what you believe. If you're not challenged in any way, you could just say, oh, that's what I've always believed. But you get the opportunity to get challenged. I'm not going to preach another sermon here, so I'm going to calm down. But I think that I just want to encourage us. And, and I think that sometimes it's the hardest thing. It, coming through COVID, coming out the other side, you just want to come and you just want to be able to do your thing. And sometimes you don't even want to think about others when you're here. But people, new people have been walking in the door because they, they see there's something about this place. They not only walk in the door, they come back. And it's because the heart of the people here, and starting from our pastors and leaders down, is that they've got a heart to be open to anyone who walks through that door that are just seeking something. They might not even know it's Jesus. They might even be vehemently against the fact that it's Jesus, but they are drawn here. And we want to be that open, loving place to accept them for who they are, to be a part of this and help them on that journey. However that goes, wherever that leads them. So I'm just going to pray for us uh, and then the t- uh, worship team will take over. Jesus, we just come before you now as a church, as a group of believers. We don't want a bit, we don't want to ever be a hindrance to anyone that are on a journey to knowing you. We don't want to refuse or stop or limit access for people to to, ha- to anything that we do, whether it's something that we do in this building, whether it's something we do in the community, whether it's just a, a, a simple um, event we might run through to a, an outreach that we are doing. It is open for all people because we know what you want is for us to be open and loving. You want us to be a church that doesn't hold people to this high lofty standard before they've even walked in the door. We want to be just reflective of your heart. We just want you to help us. If we are struggling with that heart, if it's with something maybe we've always sort of felt where we just sort of struggle that we want people to sort of act a certain way when they're here or when they're connected with us to help us just to maybe release that. Whether it's just the the season, whether it's coming out of COVID and understanding the new normal, whether it's, you know, things are happening in our lives that are just busy and overwhelming at times. And so we come here and we sort of just close off and maybe just don't give people a chance. Lord, just help us to open up people are coming in here open and vulnerable then we want to be showing that back to them and showing love and for anyone here today I pray that that if this is if this if C3 Camden here is new to you if this community is new to you that you that I pray that you are feeling that way now and you always feel that way and I pray that it really is a place that you feel as though that you can comfortably discover who Jesus is 
just to discover what spirituality means, to understand what a church community is and everything in between. Lord, maybe we meet people that are open to asking questions, people that are loving people without any prerequisite, that we are just reflective of your heart for all people. to this week's message from our church. We pray that you feel empowered by what you've heard today. We hope that you can stay connected by following us online. You can find us at C3 Camden on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube or visit our website at www.c3camden.church You always will be